Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. This is Metroscope, an Intercom Radio Portland public affairs program. I'm Gary Bloxham. Documentary films are pretty hot this summer. And on the show this time, we've got a perfect combination, a documentary film about dogs. On the show this time, I would like to welcome Chris Benninger. She's the CEO and president of Guide Dogs for the Blind and Don Hardy, an Emmy award-winning documentary filmmaker. Welcome to the show, guys. Thanks, Gary. Thanks for having Great to be here. So the, there's a collaboration here between a documentary filmmaker and Guide Dogs for the Blind. Don, tell me what the, what the collaboration is. Uh, yeah, well, I think so many films, and definitely this one, end up being uh, real collaborations between, yeah, the filmmakers and the uh, the organization or the people at the heart of it. And uh, when my partner Dana and I set out to make Pick of the Litter, uh, we really wanted to work with Guide Dogs for the Blind because it was an organization that we knew and we respected and just think they do fantastic work. So. I think uh, as we presented it to, to Chris and her team, um, they were, I think, immediately intrigued by the idea, but uh, maybe a little wary about letting people, uh, you know, wander through their halls with cameras for uh, a few years. Um, but uh, they, they, they bought it and they allowed us the, the access we really needed to tell the story. And they've just been tremendous partners in putting the film together and now in, in rolling it out. So is Pick of the Litter uh, coming to theaters anytime soon around our area? Yeah, absolutely. It is. Uh, the film goes into theaters in New York and L.A. on August 31st, and then it goes into Portland in the Bay Area on September 7th, and then continues its rollout across the country throughout the month of September. And right now it's, it's scheduled to be in over uh, 40 cities uh, around the country. Oh, that's so great. Chris, what is it like to have a, a, a documentary made? You know, um, we're really, really thrilled with the outcome of the documentary. Um, I will say, you know, um, in support of Don, Don and Dana did an exceptional job. Um, as we were, you know, thinking about this, there was a little bit of trepidation because in order to really tell our story, um, you really have to give filmmakers complete access to anything and everything that we do within Guide Dogs. And you're, you're turning, you know, the mission over to somebody else to tell. And so there's always a little trepidation about that. But I will say that, you know, Don and Dana did an exceptional job, really, of staying true to the mission and really telling the Guide Dog story. So we're really excited by the film. Don, did you make most of the film here in the Portland area, or was it uh, throughout the uh, country at the other Guide Dogs for the Blind organizations? Uh, no, it was all, all with Guide Dogs for the Blind, and they have two campuses, one here in uh, Northern California in San Rafael, where uh, where I'm based, 
and the other in Boring, Oregon, up near you. So we shot, I would say, a large percentage of it here at the main campus, but uh, spent a fair amount of time uh, flying into the Portland airport and shooting uh, in Boring, and then some of the training with one of the dogs, uh, no spoilers, so we won't say which one, but when one <laughs> makes it all the way to be paired with a visually impaired person, a lot of the training happens right in Portland. So we, we were in downtown quite a bit, too. So you followed dogs from from a very young age up until they're hired, is that correct? Yeah, we were there for when they were born on uh, in June of 2015 and followed their, their whole journey. Uh, you know, that was the idea that We've, we've thought about doing a film about Guide Dogs for the Blind for many years, but until we hit on that idea to really take it from the perspective of just one litter, uh, and, and that was the idea that made sense to us. And uh, it was a really interesting journey, and you realize uh, how much Guide Dogs for the Blind does to prepare these animals and make them into these amazing partners that go out there and do these incredible things. A potentially life-saving thing uh, in, in service to their to their human partner. So, uh, yeah, we just documented it from beginning to end and um, took the roller coaster ride. And, and now I think the uncertainty that we felt as we were making it about not knowing what the outcomes were going to be, I think that's what viewers feel now when they see the movie. And a lot of people say, like, wow, I had no idea that this would happen or this would happen. And, uh, yeah, it was a real... Uh, there was a lot of nervous moments. Well, when you say nervous moments and a roller coaster ride, what what do you mean by that? What was what was some of the most surprising things that happened? Well, so many. You know, right from the beginning, um, you know, the dogs uh, sometimes are moved to different. You know, initially they are trained at the guide dogs campus for their first two months of life, and then they go out and work with these volunteers called puppy raisers, and these are the people that you'll often see if you're walking down the street and you see a, a guide dog in training. They are volunteers. They take the dogs into their homes and they give them all of those basic skills. And sometimes it's necessary to move a dog to a different puppy raiser. And so that creates drama for our subjects, our, our dogs. And now they're moving to somebody else. And why are they moving? And then certainly as the dogs age and uh, mature and the ones that make it uh, sometimes our career changed, if they're not, uh, I guess, the perfect temperament to become a guide dog. So there'll be career change. So there's, there's drama there. And then certainly when they, the ones that do make it all the way back to school to the final training, it's very rigorous. And uh, sometimes dogs don't perform so well on a given day. And all of that now comes through in, in the film, along with the connections that are really made to their humans that help them along the way that ultimately have to give them back so that they can go out and be partnered with somebody who's visually impaired. I watched the trailer for the film, Pick of the Litter, and it's it really kind of spells out exactly what you just said. Sometimes it's sometimes it's a success and sometimes it isn't. Yeah, so, and this, somebody... Uh, oh, go ahead, Chris. Oh, I, I just was going to say, even from our standpoint at Guide Dogs, you know, we're never certain who's going to make it through and who's not. And some of the... I think some of the roller coaster ride, you know, even for us was, are any of these dogs going to make it through? And there was a, a short period of time where we thought, 
I'm not certain, you know. <laughs> and if that's the case, <laughs> do we even have a film here? So there was a lot of roller coaster for a while. We're talking today with Chris Benninger, CEO and president of Guide Dogs for the Blind, and Don Hardy, a documentary filmmaker who's made a film called Pig of the Litter about Guide Dogs for the Blind. Now, Chris, let me ask you, what made it so appealing to have to want to have a big documentary team come and, and shadow you, basically, for a couple of years? What was appealing to us is you know, a couple of things. First of all, um, one of the things that that I like to say is that I think Guide Dogs for the Blind is one of the best-kept secrets around. And we really don't want to be the best kept secret. <laughs> um, but, you know, secondly, um, there's a huge process in getting a dog, you know, all the way to guide. And um, most people really have no clear understanding of really what it takes um, to, to get a dog to, uh, to be able to guide somebody and keep them safe. Um, you know, essentially for throughout their guiding life. And um, we felt that that was a, a story that was really important to tell so that people appreciate when they actually see, you know, a guide dog, um, everything that it does take to get a dog to guide and hopefully um, are inspired and will want to support the mission that we have as well. What is the whole process? I know it's it's a it's a lengthy process, obviously about two years. But what what is the process of of starting a dog in in training? Um, it is very lengthy, and actually, what I like to tell people is that the creation of a guide dog actually starts at the DNA level. So you know, we have our own breeding colony. Um, we actually employ a theory of geneticist. So we actually start at the DNA level at looking at what traits are we, you know, trying to breed into our dogs to give them that better chance to make it all the way through as guide. We start guide training when the babies are three days old with uh, socializing with our cuddlers. So we have volunteers who cuddle those babies. Doesn't that sound wonderful? That is a, that's a great volunteer <laughs> job. Uh-huh. <laughs> um, and for the first eight to ten weeks, um, we progressively, um, you know, introduce those little, you know, puppies to, you know, a greater and greater variety of things. Um, that time period is critically important because dogs have no fear in that first ten weeks of life. So the more that we can introduce them to in that first 10 weeks, then when they actually see that in the real world, then that fear reaction doesn't kick in. Um, there's, you know, 12 to 15 months that our dogs spend with our puppy raisers, um, and all of that is managed through the guide dog program. Um, and then there's three months of training with our instructors when they come back to guide dogs for the blind. And in order to be a guide dog instructor, it takes uh, three years of apprenticeship um, in order to essentially be a qualified instructor. So um, it's not an easy process. And then once, once our dogs are ready to be paired with their individual, then... Um, the person who's blind or visually impaired actually comes to campus, lives on campus with us for two weeks to train with their dog. It's a lengthy process. 
but it's so important it's because a very lengthy process. These these dogs are taking on a lot of responsibility. They are taking on a lot of responsibility, and in fact, they um, literally are tasked with um, keeping their person safe through um, throughout their guiding life, and that means actually having to disobey a command. If the uh, if they're given a command that would put their person in harm's way, so it takes a very special, confident dog to be able to do that and to bis- disobey a command when they need to do that to keep their person safe. Guide dogs for the blind works with a particular breed of dog. Is that right? We do. We work with. Uh, we only work with Labrador Retrievers, Golden Retrievers, and then we also have a cross that we breed between the two. What makes those dogs so special? What's great about those dogs, or those dogs, but about labs and golden retrievers is um, a number of things. One is that they love to work. Secondly, they are pleasers. So they um, are always, you know, wanting to do something that is going to make their person happy. Um, they are a dog that can focus on, on the work. Um, they're also a dog that is not intimidating to others. And that's important because one of the roles that they play is that they're also a bridge to the community for, you know, our clients who can't see. So it's hard to make connection when you can't see, but your dog can help do that. And another interesting little fact is that um, labs and goldens can be taught to walk in a straight line. Dogs don't normally do that. Interesting. (laughs) Yeah. And those faces. Like, uh, how could you deny one of those faces? (laughs) They're so cute. (laughs) (laughs) They're pretty darn cute. Yes. Don, tell me, why, why did you guys choose Guide Dogs for the Blind to make a documentary film about well, yeah, it was an organization we'd known about for quite some time, had, and we had done, uh, in our previous career, Dana uh, Nachman and I, uh, we were uh, journalists for NBC here in the Bay Area, and we did a couple of short two- or three-minute pieces for uh, the news about Guide Dogs for the Blind, and at that time, just were really enthralled with the organization and the services that they offer and we're big dog people ourselves and uh you know we just weren't really there in our careers yet to make a documentary uh so when we did we ended up leaving television news and went out on our own to make films um it was an idea that was put in the vault until uh i believe in january of 2015 we, we got talking about the ideas that got away and the guide dogs idea came back and that's where we set forth with this plan to, to make something about just one litter. You know, we didn't want to do a top-down, like, history of the organization kind of thing. But if we could focus it on one litter of puppies, it seemed like a very filmable idea. Uh, it would inherently have drama in it that you have uh, a litter of puppies that people would get to know and be rooting for uh, their favorites. And so it, it made sense. And then that's when we really, we reached out to Chris at, at Guide Dogs and said, would you, would you let us do this? And, uh, and we were very fortunate that they said yes. So you're, you're filming puppies that are just hours old, right? From the very, very beginning. What was the editing process like for you? 
there there must be some major footage of of just puppies <laughs> being puppies. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> There's a lot of outtakes here, uh, including you know when they're when they're small and they're they're with their puppy raisers and the puppy raisers are desperately trying to get them to to go to the bathroom out in you know a rainstorm and in Portland and they're just standing there in the rain. Please, please <laughs> let this puppy uh, go relieve because they have to start getting the dogs on a schedule like that. They're different than maybe a pet dog where you can take a walk and they can casually go to the bathroom whenever, like it has to be more regimented. You really have to build that into a guide dog. And so we have a lot of footage of that. And uh, the other big, big piece of footage that's hit the cutting room floor is when, when we got into the hardcore training, the, the 10 weeks they do uh, at the, with the professional trainers from guide dogs, um, they train the dogs really fast. So I had to develop a camera system to be able to keep up with them. And a lot of times you end up behind the dog at maybe a low angle trying to keep up going down the road. And labs, when they walk, typically have their tails quite quite high in the air. So you're, <laughs> you know what you're capturing in frame is, is not suitable for most audiences. <laughs> There's a lot of dog butts on the cutting room floor. <laughs> is there a blooper reel that's coming out with the film? Oh, absolutely. I'm holding it for ransom. Chris is going to have to buy it off of me. Very good. Where again, uh, Don, where can we see the film? It's coming to Portland uh, relatively soon. Yeah, on September 7th, it'll be in Portland. I believe it's at the Living Room Theater. And uh, and that it'll be there all week. But, you know, I encourage people to go out opening weekend. I believe we'll have some, some guide dogs out there and some, some folks because of the boring campus being so close. So I imagine if people want to get their, their fix of seeing some guide dogs at the theater, that would be a good time to do it is that opening weekend. Um, and then it'll go on to, to uh, VOD, places like iTunes and Amazon. It'll be in places like that too. Um, but we, you know, we really do encourage people to see it in the theater. There's, a great joy in watching this film with an audience and that I think will be diminished a little uh, it, watching it in your house. Like, I think it'll still be very enjoyable, but uh, the theater experience as we've been touring with this and showing it at film festivals for the past few months, it's such a cathartic film to watch with <laughs> people and experience the joy of that human canine connection with a, with a nice group around you. Tell me about how it's been received at some of the festivals you've been taking it around to. Boy, it's been quite something. You know, we, we've done several films now over the past decade, and I've never had one that has was received so warmly uh, as this. And uh, we've played now, um, I don't know, 15 or 20 festivals. We've won numerous audience awards for Best Documentary. Uh, it's it's now going overseas and we're playing in festivals in, in Italy and in the UK. And it just, uh, I feel like we've really touched on something that people, uh, everybody loves dogs. And to see this, um, this relationship we have with our four-legged friend carried now uh, out in a film like this. And it also answers questions that many of us have as we see guide dogs out on the street. And we wonder, you know, can I go up and pet them? Can I, you know, do they have a, a, a warm, loving family to go home to? 
are, or are they just working dogs? You know, you hear this stuff a lot, and I and I hope through our film, it answers some of those questions, and uh, and we have more respect for these amazing animals. What was different about making this particular documentary as opposed to other ones you've made? What was what was the outstanding difference? They all have their challenges. I think with this one, uh, it was really the unknowns. You know, maybe a, a smarter documentary crew would have said, uh, okay, well, let's follow. Let's, let's not shoot. Let's just follow an entire process for a couple of years, figure out exactly wh- how things go, and then we'll film the next one. Um, maybe another crew would have said, let's start with three litters of puppies, see which one has the, and, and follow them all and see which one has the best outcomes and then make that one our movie. We didn't do either of those. We hitched our wagon to these five puppies and saw it all the way through. And there was many twists and turns along the way. So uh, that, that is unique. You know, we did um, 120 days of shooting on this film, which is way above what we would normally do. We've always really prided ourselves on, being quite economical with, with shooting. Uh, but with this one, because of those unknowns, we just had to you know, keep shooting and seeing what would happen. Uh, so those were all really unique challenges. Chris, have you been able to get a sneak preview of the film yet? Oh, yes. I've, uh, I've seen it many times. And in fact, um, I can support what Don was saying. I've been to a number of the film festivals and it's a wonderful experience being in the audience and hearing the oohs and the ahs and the clapping and a little bit of the tears. Um, and, and I will say too that, you know, it's, uh, it's, it's really a feel good, a feel good film. You know, you, you walk out and you really feel good about everything that you've seen. Um, so it's a fun experience and I would highly, highly recommend that people go and see it. It's a great film and Don and Dana did an exceptional job. What are you hoping, Chris, that people take away from the film? You know, what I'm hoping is one is that people learn a little bit more about Guide Dogs for the Blind, um, a little bit more about our mission. They're inspired by what they see. Um, they uh, understand the complications of the process that we have, and that, they, as I said, that they want to support our mission. We, um, uh, all of our funding comes from our communities. We're completely supported by our communities. We receive no government funding at all. So, you know, hopefully as people see this throughout the country, they're inspired and uh, want to support us. Where can people get more information? And tell me more about the volunteering. Can they get volunteer information on your website? Is that maybe the best place to go? The best place is is to go to our website. We, on our website, are listing all locations where Pick of the Litter is playing. And almost on a daily basis, we're adding to that. So that's <laughs> exciting to see. Um, but there also is volunteer information as well on both of our campuses. Um, as I said, one in Boring, one um, here in San Rafael, California. And there's also information about um, being a puppy raiser. And we have puppy raising groups um, in the 10 western states as far uh, east as Texas. 
So if people are interested in being a puppy raiser as well, we're always looking for puppy raisers. We have a puppy raiser here at the radio station. We always have cute little lab puppies running around the radio station. <laughs> and thanks to Barb in our traffic right, department for doing that. <laughs> it's so great. It's the, If you're in a, a terrible mood, just go into Barb's office and there's a puppy in there and it's just the most enjoyable thing. Uh, well, thank you to Barb. We truly <laughs> appreciate her work. <laughs> well, Don, tell us one more time where we can see the film here in Portland. In Portland at the Living Room Theaters. It opens on September 7th. And I believe tickets will go on sale pretty soon. Uh, I expect it to have a pretty uh, a good turnout there. Um, and, uh, yeah, and I hope that um, everybody who can hear this and goes out and checks it out because uh, it, it's a fun film. Chris, now that you've been through the process, if Don were to come to you again and say, hey, let's make another documentary, what would you say? I would say absolutely. Yeah. I wouldn't say that to any documentary <laughs> uh, filmmaker, but I would definitely say that to Don and Dana. Yep. Anytime, anywhere. We'd well, love to work with you again. Well, I can't wait to see the film. It's going to yeah, be great. I'd like that too. Well, thank you both for being on the show this thanks. time. Thank you, Gary. Oh, thanks for, thanks for having us. We've been talking today with Chris Benninger, CEO and president of Guide Dogs for the Blind, and documentary filmmaker Don Hardy. Metroscope is an Intercom Radio Portland public affairs program. I'm Gary Bloxham. If you're involved with a nonprofit or public affairs organization, or if you have an idea for an upcoming show, I'd like to hear from you. Visit MetroscopePDX.com and submit your ideas. You can also go to this station's website and submit your information there. Thanks for listening to Metroscope and enjoy the rest of your weekend. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto-pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto-pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for well-qualified customers. Contact us before canceling accounts to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. See T-Mobile.com.